Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi everybody, welcome back to the Gallagher Shots podcast on the Gallagher Shots YouTube channel and we are back with another match reaction and another victory and another three points as Newcastle United climb up the Premier League table. I am your host Chris, joined by Scott and Daryl here. Boys, let's just jump straight in with Daryl, I'm going to come to you first because you were there at St James's Park to witness this and Newcastle United... I'm going to say they had a bit of a field day, but in relation to possession and shots on target, um, scoreline was slightly different. But was that a good game to to, to witness, Daryl? <laughs> it was actually. Um, just to very quickly go back to what me and Scott and Andy talked about on the preview that we sort of thought Burnley would come at us with a bit of attack, and uh, you know they would try and dominate the ball and and catch us with pace, and they did do that, and they they were quite successful with it early on in the game. They forced an early save out of Nick Pope, which seemed to just rejuvenate the crowd and it really ramped the atmosphere up. Um, and once that passage of play had happened, we pretty much took the game by the scruff of the neck. Um, we got a bit more physical, I thought, um, started to win our tackles. And then obviously it led to the the first goal for Miggy. And after that, it was a case of just... It always felt like we would need the second goal just to see the game off. Um, they were still causing us a bit of a threat on the counter. But once we got the second goal, it was it was case closed. Basically, the game was done. Yeah. So, so, so like Daryl just said there, Scott, was, I think it was around six, seven minutes uh, where, where Burnley would dominate, and and we looked a bit shaky at the back, um, which we're not used to, to seeing really over our handful of games. But we looked a bit shaky. Um, but whether that storm uh, and after that, it was just dominance. Yeah, I mean, we expected Burnley to try and take the game to us because that's how they've been playing all season. Um, and yeah, they. I think they had a couple of early chances. I think Dan Byrne got done one or twice by, I think it was their number 30, I can't remember the lad's name. Mm. Uh, and you thought, uh-oh, 
like we're in for a trouble here. But to be fair to Dan Burnham, to be fair to uh, Longstaff, Anderson and Gordon, they all did their bit throughout the game to help Dan Burn on that side and they tracked yeah. back and kind of it was almost a two V one situation whenever he got the ball. Um later on in the game, I'm sure we'll come to it, it started happening on the other side with Trippier uh, when they made a change. But um yeah, like like you said, they had a couple of chances, but it wasn't anything that you ever thought they'd really, you know, even if they did score, like it, it, you didn't think it would last. They don't. They didn't seem like the team that would maybe have the legs to do that for ninety minutes. And mm. you know what we're like. If if teams do start sitting off a little bit and letting us play, we're unstoppable on our day, especially at St James's Park. Um, you know the, the, that home at home advantage. Although it didn't seem on the telly, didn't seem too um, atmospheric, shall we say, um, throughout the game. It seemed a bit flat. I think people are. There's so many games. I think people are just. Hungover. I think that's what it is, Scott. I think everybody's <laughs> absolutely shattered. I think Newcastle are going to start charging the fan base. Rent soon the amount of time they'll spend <laughs> if, if they let them so in. We've got the game coming on Wednesday, um, which <laughs> that's that's three games in a week uh, at mm-hmm. St. James's Park. Um, so it, it, it's tough for the fan base to, to be top of their game as well um, throughout that. Um, but I, I just want to go back a little bit. And, and Daryl, obviously, we, we got the news early on that, that Botman would be missing for this game. And, and rumours are he's going to be missing for around about a month. Now, so it, it's obviously the, the change came in where it was just usual um, burn shifts over. Uh, no, he didn't actually. Sorry, it was the sales came in. It was the sales came in. Normally, so that's what I mean. It was normally burn yeah. normally gets shifted over and target comes in, but obviously the sales comes in. And, and do you think that's because of the performance that he had against Man City in the cup where Eddie House awarded him? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was really, really good against Man City in the Cup. And uh, to be fair, I know you just mentioned it on the reaction to the game, but I thought Paul Dummett was excellent in that game as well. Um, and he was quite rightly rewarded for that performance. And again, he didn't really put a foot wrong against Burnley yesterday. Um, and I think it really puts us in good stead. Like, if you'd have said at the start of the week that actually Botman would be injured and then miss a month. You'd be threatened because of the amount of games and the quality of the opposition that we're going to have coming up when you think about PSG midweek. But it's really filled me with a bit of confidence that we might actually be okay in missing Botman for midweek. And I know that PSG will cause all sorts of issues and this isn't in a PSG preview, but you, you would have been worried. Um, and again, I think Lascelles has just shown true professionalism coming in with two really good performances. And credit to Fabian Scherer as well, because he had to shift across to a, the side of the defence that he's not really comfortable with. But I thought he was one of our best pressers yesterday. He pressed really well. Uh, at some points, he was almost pressing down the Burnley goalkeeper. Um, he was that much leading the press. Um, and the defence yesterday were really, really good, really solid. We mentioned earlier, like Scott mentioned, about Dan Bin having a few issues with Kaliosha early on. But once we got past that and he got his support, they, you know they, they did. You know they they were they used a bit of endeavour and they tried to break us down, but we were just solid. It's a brick wall down there at the minute. Yeah, it was it was addressed early on, wasn't it? Uh, obviously, that that Dan Burn was struggling on that left hand side. Um, obviously, he slipped, which obviously I'm not going to yeah. pinpoint that because it happens. Players slip. Yeah. Um, then then it was a great chance, which which Burnager didn't capitalise on. Like far from it. Um, but let's boys. I think we need to just go and straight and talk about our goal because. Miggy Almiron, he, he's oh. back with an absolute another win, wonder striking, and he does this a couple of times a season now. Mm. And that could be up there with one of Miggy's best, and that's even including the, the ones which he scored last season as well, because he had about four or five last season. But Scott, that one yesterday, it was perfect. 
It was. I mean, it it starts with Trippier winning the ball in the in kind of their final third, if you will. Um, <laughs> really class the lad who I think had been a bit mouthy to him and and caught mm. him a couple of times previously in the game. So I think it's a tackle out of frustration because he just in that same movement he's came off a handball trips as well. Yeah, yeah. Where, where he yeah. tries to play the ball and the ball obviously hits off the defender's hand. Then the referee doesn't mm. give it, so trips just goes and clatters <laughs> like. But he it's wins the ball, and it's it's a, it's a fair challenge, um, you know, and, and it, it drops to Miggy, who turns and got a bit of space in front of him, and you can see him winding up. Mm. Like, you know what he's going to do when Miggy gets the ball there and it's on his left foot. He gets his head down, he hits the ball, and it's up and over the keeper, top corner. I mean, yeah, it's 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 a Miggy goal. I mean, I know that's that's going to sound random to say, but it's the type <laughs> of goals that Miggy scores. He doesn't he doesn't do tappings. Uh, he always he always takes a little shot from outside the box. Um, and do you know what? It's been a long time coming for Miggy this season. I think he's he's been he's been solid, but he has been getting a bit of grief. And but I think that grief's a bit unjust. It's it's just because it's Miggy, not yeah. really based on performances too much. Um, but yeah, I mean, he gets the goal and he's he's, he's off. You know, screaming at the in at the Lisa's end, as he always does. Um, no cuddles this week, but uh, he, you know he he, uh, he 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 enjoyed it, and you can tell he did. And and I think I think that was a bit of a relief for him because I think he was maybe starting to think, oh, hang on, you know, you've got Murphy knocking on the door, you've got um, you know Joe Linton who is coming back. Obviously, we know what happens later on in the game with that. My spot could be up here, so for him to score yeah. that, it's perfect timing for him to say, anyhow, look, this is what I can do. I deserve my spot against PSG. So, Daryl, you would have had a perfect view. Oh, well, yeah. So, like Mark mentioned that he was behind it from the... So, I was on the opposite side to Mark. So, Mark was behind Miggy, but I was in front of Miggy. But when, you know, I actually thought he'd maybe taken a touch too many when he was winding up the shot. But as soon as he hit it, it just arced into that top corner. And, I mean, the keeper has absolutely no chance of getting a hold of it. Um, and I was trying to think of when I've seen him score similar, and as Scott mentioned, it is sort of like a typical Miggy goal. And I seem to remember him scoring something similar against Everton, where he bent it into the top corner past Pickford. Um, and it was just a, an absolutely pure strike, and it was just lovely. And and it almost reminds you of when somebody takes a dead ball for a kick from that sort of position, where it, the way he just bends it around a wall or a player, and it just goes straight in the posted stamp in that corner. It was perfect. Absolutely perfect. The type of shot, Daryl, and, and obviously from from where you're sat, and, and like you said, Mark being sat in the other corner, um, you know as soon as he's hit that, where that's ended. Oh yeah, yeah. You, you can see it a mile off, can't you? Yeah. And I, I think the players saw it as well because the players were, were, were already celebrating before the <laughs> corner. Um, but but like I said, very Miggy esque goal, and and there'll be more this season from Miggy. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I like Miggy as a player. I really do. I think he gives a lot to to, to the team. And not just goals. Um, obviously, he has worked a lot on, on scoring goals, like we saw last season when he went through that patch where he's scoring every week, what it felt like. Mm. Um, well, let's hope that patch comes back. Let's exactly. Hope he has I think Miggy's going to be so important for this club. And, and I think it's really hard for when, when when fans get on his back and criticise him. I think it's, it, it, it's not helping anybody. It really isn't. And I think not just Newcastle, I think every club probably has this sort of player where the fan base will get on the back and, and not just I'm not saying all the fan base, but, but certain individuals. And do you know what it is? Miggy's done really well. He really has done. Every time he comes in to, to do a job, and let's be honest, he, he hasn't been been playing every single game. He has been getting dropped. Um so and like you mentioned Scott as well, the likes of, of Gordon and 
obviously you've got Willock drew back from, from injury coming up as well. But luckily for Miggy, you've got Barnes who's picked up an injury there. So Miggy's probably going to get a lot more game time than expected as well. Yeah. So long may it continue as well, him, him finding the back of the net. Um, Daryl, the rest of the game, it, it was, well, not the rest of the game, but a large chunk of the game. Like we said earlier, it's dominance for Newcastle. And it's just shot and shot and shot and just non-stop at goal. And, and, and the keeper had a great game, pulled off sort of a couple of fantastic saves. Yeah. Were you ever worried that I got to the point where I thinking, oh, we need to take a chance here? Yeah, because there's a couple of times where, where Bernie broke and, and they did obviously try and take advantage of that. But it was getting to the point later on in the game where we're thinking, we need to get this second leg because anything can happen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you see the Anderson chance that Trafford makes a fantastic save with and then it's cleared off the line, I mean, the poor lad's got to catch a break sometime and score a goal for it. I mean, it all stems from that disallowed goal down at Forest last season. Um, and it feels like it's never going to fall for him. But he's doing everything he can because he had that effort and he also had a shot that was spilled later as well. Um, and Isaac had a couple of good chances. Longstaff had a good chance. And I have to say, some of his play in the build-up to some of those chances in the first half towards Elise was absolutely fantastic. Putting a couple of great balls and probably a standout player in the game, to be fair. Um, it, was, and, it was Longstaff's cross for the diamond header from Anderson, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think it was, you're right. It's it sort of, when we got to half-time, it was a case of we probably could do with having a second goal. We probably should have got one before then. Um, the exact chance where his first touch just let him down just uh it, it felt like it wasn't going to come and it was always going to be a case of the way that Burnley play that the threat was there on the break and that they might just nick a one back um and I think and to be fair Daryl trips the amount of balls that trips down oh, into that box where players just weren't were just half yeah, the off. yeah they were so close there was so many close chances to get onto the end of those balls as you say and it felt like you say as, as the game went on it was a case of Mm, really do really need to get the second just to finish it because I think I think it's probably just a preset setting for us as fans is we'll always be a little bit nervous while it's one nil it's quite a dangerous yeah. scoreline and we it just needed that second goal and luckily we got it in the end yeah it did obviously there's a couple of things more things to talk about but we'll do it towards the end of when we're wrapping it up there um Scott it's another penalty to Newcastle United thoughts on that is it a penalty because I'm still on the fence, you know. <laughs> yeah, me too. Do you know what? He, the it, well, it's Gordon again, and it's Gordon doing what we said. Gordon he will get us a lot of pennies. <laughs> We've said it when he Absolutely. got the last one. Um, do you know what? It's a weird one because obviously the player does get the ball, but he also clatters into Gordon. Mm-hmm. So it's one of them 50-50 ones where I think if the referee Can we use the said, word clatter, Scott? Well, he, we he could do Gordon, clatter. shall we say. <laughs> Um, but Certainly had the referee contact. not given a penalty, VAR doesn't overturn that. I think yeah. it's it's one of those ones where, you know, the initial decision is not clear and obvious as, as an error. So, you know, it's really down to the... But, I mean, the, the referee was shocking all game, to be honest. Um, but I'm sure we'll touch on that. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Chris. I'm on the fence. I'm not 100% convinced it was a penalty, but... You know, I'm not going to say no if a referee wants to give us a penalty for that because, you know, like I say, you can't get them. They are given. We've seen it. We've seen yeah. it before with Gordon and we'll probably see it countless times again this season because he's doing quite well. Um, although not against West Ham because he's uh, suspended, isn't he, for kicking mm. the ball away. Uh, he got Sweet his boy. fifth yellow card, which is a bit of a shame. Um, but yeah, and then obviously Isak. I mean, if you don't have Callum Wilson taking your penalties and you've got... Isak as your as your backup. I mean, how where? We're not missing a penalty. I'm, I'm, actually, no, I'm not going to say that because we'll miss the next one. 
he's a good penalty taker. He's cool <laughs> as you like. He just puts it where he wants. And yeah, I mean, what more can you say? Isak is just he, he's just that sort of striker that you know when he soon as he puts a ball down, like you're just like okay. It's the, do you know what it is? And, and Daryl, we'll talk about the commentation which Wilson and, and Isaac have going on with, with each other. Um, and, and if you just look at the penalties, Wilson likes to, to, to smash his penalties in, in the top corner. Very Shearer-esque. Yeah. Um, but then, on the other hand, you've got Isaac that just calm as you like. He just, just glances that ball and it doesn't oh. even lift off the turf. It just glides in, in one of the corners. He's and as cold as ice, isn't he? Oh, he is. Honestly, the keeper's got no chance because... He just waits till that last second before he connects with the ball. And the keeper has already gone. Oh yeah, I mean, just to go back to the penalty decision when he when he first awarded it, I thought, oh, he's lent into the. T- I thought he had lent into the tackle mm. um, and, and won it. But like Scott said, we we sort of called it after the one against um, who was it against? Uh, was it Aston Villa? Uh, Brentford. Brentford, yeah. So we called it after the one against Brentford that it wouldn't be the, the last time he, he won us a penalty like that. Um, and again, I would say he'll, he'll win us more. He's a he's a tremendous asset to have as somebody who can get in the box and get fouled and, and win us penalties. Um, so, but I, yeah, so Isaac was perfect, and I absolutely love that they both seem to be in good form in terms of goal scoring. And even though we missed Wilson yesterday, Isaac is you're not really worried about having Isaac as your backup because he's just quality. Um, they really are swapping over really well in terms of rotation as well. They're dealing with it really well. Um, Darrell, I, was, I was just about to mention that even if you look off the likes of social media posts and, and predominantly Instagram, with which you only see the players interact with each other, they congratulate each other each time yeah, yeah. one of them scores a goal, and that's exactly what you want to see. Absolutely. And I think what we'll probably see, so long as he's fit, is that they might have to now swap the rotation around. So now that he's actually played the cup and yesterday that we might now see Wilson start on Wednesday coming if he's fit. Um, and it's really healthy and we're really fortunate that that is the case. Um, I don't even know how do, else do you to... Think you, do you think he would swap with it being back-to-back goals now? I think he would based on how much Isaac will have left in the tank in terms of energy because... Okay. At the end of the game against AC Milan, he was running around and he was blowing, and we all thought that he might have made the sub with Barnes earlier. Yeah. Um, but he kept it as long as possible, and it it, it was causing problems for Dan Byrne down that side. So I think he probably will rotate it back, and, and it'll be Wilson that starts on Wednesday. We'll cover this in much more yes. detail on the PSG match preview. Uh, Scott, a couple of things yes. we need to talk about. Um, obviously, you mm-hmm. highlighted earlier the referee performance. Oh. Um, it's not the first time this season, and it definitely won't be the last time, but the, the standard officiating in this country is getting worse. And that's not just looking at VR, it's looking at the on-field referee and his decision-making at the time as well. Yeah. Um, there was a moment in the game that one which highlights for me is um, the Bernie Pierre off the field, completely beyond the lines, off off the field. And Newcastle are trying to take a throw, and I believe it is. Um, yeah. And the referee stops playing for about a minute or two um, until this player gets assessed by the medical team. Is that down because he was holding his face? Or or what? Does it make a difference if he's holding his face when he's off the field? Because of my it, understanding, yeah. if he's off the, off the pitch, you just crack on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what it is. I mean, yeah, it- you know, I don't know if it was a head injury or not in terms of like the actual foul or whatever happened or the, the sorry, the, the challenge. Um, but yeah, he's holding his head. And we've seen it a few times this season against us and on other games as well, where a player will go down and they'll just hold their head, even though it's got, you know, chances no one yet and the referee buys it. I think that's something that they now need to look at 
in terms of, okay, you know, you've got other officials, you've got people watching the game, they need to go to that referee, there's a head injury, we've watched it back, you need to stop the play, as opposed to the referee just looking and going, oh, he's holding his head, it's a head injury, I need to stop play, because, yeah, I mean, he's off the field, there's there's no reason to stop the play, even if it is a head injury, because it was right next to their dugout as well. Yeah. Like, it's not understand. as if they've got to run around the pitch to get to him. It was yeah. right next to them. Um, they were already on the way before he blew the whistle because Absolutely. they knew, well, he's off the field, we can just go and, you know, go and care for him. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I don't know the official rules for it, so it may just be that he's actually done his job and he's done his job how it should be. But in my eyes, if, if you're off the field and you've went down, it should just be... Well, it's it's not these incidents, Daryl, where, where you and it's so frustrating when you see it, when a player's right on the line and they'll just roll onto the pitch yeah, to stop yeah. the play. That's normally what you see. So I, I've, I've got no idea. I've no, I mean, no he, he wasn't even rolling at that point. And I agree with no. Scott there. I mean, I could understand if he was on the other side of the pitch and the, the fastest way for the physio is to run straight across. But he's literally just feet away from his own dugout. So I don't understand why play was stopped at all. The only thing I can think of is, is because the ball was already out of play. So the play mm. had already stopped. So then yeah. he's like, okay, well, we'll do that. But we wanted to take the, the quick throw in and, like I say, he pulled it back. Um, and then there was, was another was instance later on. Gordon wasn't happy like that the referee. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I was going wild. I was I was sat myself. I'm going, he's off the pitch. What are you doing? He's off the like, stay, Yeah, Stacey, my partner's going to go, what, what? I don't understand. <laughs> um, it's a weird one. And then, yeah, like I said, later on, uh, I think it's Isak gets, gets a pull of the shirt. And... I've noticed that quite a lot in a, a few games. Of the shirt. I think he's <laughs> trying to wear the shirt, Scott. Aye. Well, it wasn't as bad as Dan Burns for his goal <laughs> against Sheffield United, where he's dragging the player halfway across the pitch. But yeah, um, but he gets free and he's got the ball on the edge of the box. And you're thinking, oh, he's played advantage. And he yeah. pulls it back. And it's like, exactly yes, that's down to the referee's discretion, but advantage should be played there. And again, it's, so it's, it's down to the word that we use all the time is consistency. Uh, there the isn't consistency that anyway. is that he wanted to book the player. Um, but just book him afterwards. Yeah, you yeah, just let that, it go. That doesn't matter. Yeah. You yeah, can book exactly, him whenever you want. He's that went over and said, like, I, I still had the ball. And, and to be fair, he was calling the chance out of it. Um, he was, I, Because yeah. he'd done really well to, to get in a decent position after his shirt was obviously torn off him. Um, mm. and, and that's when he goes to the referee. And obviously, like I said, um, he, he was getting a chance out of it. And the referee says, oh, well, I was, was going to book him. Say, oh, no, just, just do that afterwards, man. Just, yeah. just crack on. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it, makes, it makes no sense. Um, but like I said, uh, it's down to the referee's discretion with advantage. I don't think, I think it's like one of those unwritten laws where they can do it or they, they don't, like they don't have yeah, to yeah. play advantage if they don't want to. So I think he's that's a sign of a good referee, though, Scott, when, when a referee awards advantage and, and oh, 100%. Just crack on. Yeah, that, that's a sign of a good referee. And it's not very often you see it, but. You will see the likes of a fan base applaud those sort of decisions mm -hmm. from a referee, but obviously, yeah. yes, it is a different story. Um, the final thing I really wanted to, to touch on, Daryl, is is a bad note. Um, so Joe Linton yeah, comes on, uh, gets subbed on, and he lasts around about ninety seconds. Yeah, on the field, and, and he pulls up. So, so first of all, he. he <laughs> He goes in for it's not really a challenge. It, it's basically a, a, a 50 50 way where Jordan gets to the ball first of all. Yeah. But he, it looks like he's all about stretching to get to it. Mm -hmm. But he does that. Then, followed by that, he, he's he's running towards goal and you, and you see him pull up straight away. Yeah. And you know, as soon as that happens, that something's not right. So he, he's on the field for a couple of minutes there. And 
it looks like another reoccurrence of an injury. It does, yeah. I mean, he, he goes uh, very similar to the, the run he made against West Ham down at the London Stadium last season where Trippier has played a long ball over the top and Joe Linton's just gone from deep and he's just made a dart for the box. And he does get to it and then as soon as like the chance is gone, you just see him sit down and you just think, oh God, what's he done? Has he aggravated his knee again was my first thought from the other end of the stadium. I thought, oh God, he's, his knee's gone already. And then that brought back more thoughts about is this a repeat of him playing at Brighton when he clearly wasn't 100% fit? Has he come back and declared himself fit when he's still got yeah. this injury? Um, and then obviously we find out afterwards from Eddie that it's actually not his knee, but it's a hamstring issue. Yeah. Um, and I, my initial thought about when I heard that was whether or not it's a, it's going to keep him out for a long period or not. But I think looking at some of Eddie's post-match comments, he, he seems to think it's not a serious issue and it might only keep him out. It, and maybe he was just taken off as a complete precaution because he's felt something. And he may even still be available for Wednesday, which would be a miracle. He might. It did look like he went straight down the tunnel. Though. He did, yes, yeah. he did, yeah. He'd also had his shin pads off before the uh, before the medics got to him as well. So I think he, he clearly, knew in his mind he's like, I'm not continuing this game. He clearly wasn't happy because the tape was coming off his wrist and everything before mm. he even got off the pitch, and yeah. it was being flung all over the place, and he wasn't happy. So he looks. He, he just kind of catch a break with the Champions League, can he? He just no, every he time. It's horrible. It's never going to happen. Really so, as soon as he goes down, as soon as he go down, he, he points over to, to the bench and asks to get subbed yeah. off. It's before anybody's even stepped foot on the field in regards to physios and doctors. He looks straight over and he, he wants off and he can tell he, he's felt something. So, yeah, it's a tough one with these sort of hamstring injuries though because mm-hmm. like, it could be a week, it could be a month, it could be longer. You just don't know until obviously yeah. the assessment comes through. Then even when they come back to fitness, you're running that risk to, to reoccur in it straight away if they're not fully, yeah. fully fit. And like Daryl said, we know how much football Joe Linton wants to play and mm-hmm. whether or not he, he's he's not necessarily happy, but he's going to to take the, the advice of everybody around him and, and just rest up until he's fully fit. God knows. I think, I think the problem is, like I've said there, we've got the Champions League game coming and then there's an international break as well. Yeah. And he's mm. trying to break into that. Well, he's already in the Brazil squad, but he's wanting to cement his place. And it's yeah. just another little setback for him in that Brazil squad. So you can see his frustration. But I do want to say, though, Tonali came on. And, you know, there's been that long going thing of can Tonali and Bruno play together? I think they proved yesterday they absolutely can because they were yeah. outstanding, mm. the pair of them. And, and also, I want to say Longstaff and Anderson. I think Anderson was one of our players of the, players of the game. Yesterday he was brilliant again. Um, he's he. It's took him a little while this season to get going, but my God, he's going now, and he's he's the player that we thought we were going to get when he come back from his loan. Yeah. Um, that Jordi Maradona uh, <laughs> nickname is starting to starting to come true. He just needs a goal. Needs a goal. Um, yeah, just needs <laughs> But he'll he'll get it. I mean, if he keeps putting himself in the positions that he did yesterday, he'll definitely get it sooner or later. Absolutely. Um, just winner against what, PSG. I, I, I think we're gonna have to. To go in a little bit of deal with Sean Longstaff because what a performance yeah. he had yesterday. Oh, um, super. The, the, the gap which he was filled on the right hand side when Isaac was coming deep to, to win the ball and Longstaff just find himself in that popular space on the right hand side. The only way you would probably see Miggy work mm-hmm. in those areas. And that, honestly, I, I, we've said this so many times about Longstaff, so underrated. He really is. If he had a, a flamboyant foreign name, <laughs> um, everybody would be looking at him thinking, oh, absolutely fantastic player. But honestly, I can't give enough credit to Longstaff because he was outstanding yesterday. And I would he take was. hands down, man of the match. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
it's it's great to see how it all like when you sit and you watch the game and you watch the team and how they move around in the shape and Sean gets into those spaces because he's covering for Miggy who's putting a press on and so many times where either it works on both sides by the way so you've got Gordon who can do a press from the left and then Anderson moves into that space that he vacates and on the other side it's Longstaff moving in to do the same for when Miggy does a press and again because he's act dropped steep that space becomes available it's absolutely fantastic and mind blowing to watch the dynamics of the team when we're like this and. It ju- it's just working so well at the moment. And it, to be honest, for some teams, it'll be really hard to even try and counter. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Anybody uh, got anything to say before we we'll wrap this one up? Um, I will. Um, and it's a- an age-old problem that we all are familiar with, and it's entry into the ground again. Um, and right, I noticed... so I'm going to call it straight away. <laughs> and, and those I haven't picked up from this podcast, unfortunately, I missed the game yesterday. I wasn't at St. Julian's part. So, first one I missed from God knows how long. Um, I think the last one I might have missed was uh, when Miggy got his goal against Palace. The one that oh, wow. So, so Miggy really scores when you're not there. Is that what you're saying? Can you knock one Wednesday night, please? <laughs> I, think, I think that might be what it is. But obviously, I've always been a huge Miggy fan. I was absolutely gutted when I missed. It was just before Christmas, I remember, right? He scored Aye. that. Um, yeah. Um, so I missed that one, and then obviously I've missed the, the Bernie one. Um, what was it like then, Daryl? Because I've been hit and miss. I'm not going to lie. I've been hit and miss with the turnstiles. Sometimes I get straight in. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it takes us a little while, and and that's going at a minimum of half an hour beforehand. Yeah. What I was mean, your experience as, like yesterday? As you know, I do like to get in a little bit early. So I three hours have, early. I tend not to have any issues when now? I'm going to the ground. I am still there now, actually. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I never really have any issues myself personally of getting in. But when you're sitting there and we're kicking off and you can see all these pockets of space and then 10 minutes into the game, people are still filing in to take their seats. You just think, what the hell's going on outside? And I know, again, it was same same sort of issues from people I know who were sat in the Gallagate down where you are, Chris. They were having the same issues as normal. The the queues underneath Lisa's corner in the northwest side, that was terrible. Um, and... Like there's a couple of lads in front of me. They didn't rock up until about the twelfth or thirteenth minute of the game, and it was you're just thinking, what the hell's going on out there? And I just, you've mentioned it on the Monday show quite a lot, and I just don't understand why these problems are happening. And I don't know if it's the way people are queuing, if it's just the way the the like. It seems to be a case of people are funneling into these turnstiles, and it's just it's just causing a hold up. And I just don't understand why. So the tech, I don't know if the tech is necessarily to blame. I don't even think the supporters are necessarily to blame. It's just the way everything's being funneled in and the organisation, I just don't understand for, personally. Aren't, aren't they using the same tech as other grounds, though? Because it's, it's one company, isn't it, that does it for, the, for all the teams, from what I understand. So Most likely, yeah. I, think, I would I think imagine that, that the tech stuff. is fine, but if you, someone who's if flown recently, right? people can't even do it with their passports. And, and mm. you know what I mean? like, And that's, that's a, something that happens daily. <laughs> well, exactly, but it's the same thing, right? How long have they been around? Mm. And we're doing this now once only, and it's a new thing for people, but have they changed the actual? Obviously, I haven't been to the, the ground this season yet, but have they changed the actual turnstile? Like, no. is it still them old, like, massive turnstiles? It's still the old style turnstile, but it's got the scan, like, it's got the electronic scanner built in on mm. the side where you used to put your stub in to read the barcode. Yeah. It's just changed to like a screen now where it's got just the like QR code. Reader. Yeah, yeah, is. yeah. Um, but I think Scott, just what I, to highlight what you said, other grounds are, are doing it. You've got to look at the uniqueness of St. James's Park and where it is, that it's so condensed in the surrounding areas. Yeah. So the likes of six turnstiles, you've got thousands of people just in this small contained area, just 
just thrown in there like cattle. It really is to the point when there isn't necessarily a queue. It's just six starts of a queue. Then it yeah. just goes into this cluster and nobody has a clue what's happening. So I That's think it. I think a lot of it's look at the draw. If you're standing to a certain side, you'll probably just sneak into one of the turnstiles. But if not, you end up all of a sudden you're 50 people deep in this queue like yeah and you've got no idea and i think that's the issue then obviously you've got queues overlapping other turnstiles and there'll be certain turnstiles that aren't even getting used because there's mm-hmm. so many people there i think that's the issue and I, I, don't, I don't think it's an issue with the tech i don't think it's an issue with the fans i think it's just the location and i, I just think that that's probably why the club have been urging people to go so early so no queues yeah. are formed i mean they can never going to happen yeah, they can tell everybody to go in as early as they want, but you've got to remember everybody meets up in town and it's everybody comes out of the pub at like half an hour before kickoff if you're lucky, if not later, and they'll think, right, I'm going straight up and getting straight in. But you're not because the queues are just backed up because everybody's sort of got but, the same idea. Darryl, we're looking at those that, that go to the pub beforehand on uh, when was the cup game? Wednesday night. Mm. So on Wednesday night, I finished work. Well, I was, I was set to finish work at seven o'clock. Obviously, eight o'clock kickoff, and it would have took us. I finished work a bit earlier. I luckily managed to get away. Um, but I was stressing that by finishing at seven o'clock, I was not going to get there in time for kickoff. Yeah, yeah. So, so fair enough. Yes, people might go for drinks, but then other people have got other commitments. Exactly. Yeah. In. And we know how bad traffic is getting into St James's Park, uh, getting into Newcastle as well on a match day. It's not. It's not going to be buses. Long. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this this week in particular, it's going to be going to be carnage, carnage this week. But I think you have to look at it now. Let's say if, if you're taking your car to, to a match now for a three o'clock kickoff, you're going to have to be setting off at 10.30 in the morning, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to get in the town, get a parking space and queue up again at St. James's. It's crazy. It's going to be like crazy. getting prepared to go on holiday. That's going to be like <laughs> It really is. I, don't forget your passport. I know. I need ID as well, so you need your passport as well. <laughs> it's it's corners, but I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about this on, on Monday's show as well. Oh, yeah, because... And um, by the looks of it, Mark had some issues getting in. It, it seems like they need some form of queue management outside the ground, yeah. as opposed to the actual turnstile getting in. Mm-hmm. But like you say, I don't know where. How do you do that strawberry corner? Yeah, where you've got it's that impossible. tiny little alleyway, and you know, yeah. like I don't think you can do it without shutting down the main. Well, they shut down the road anyway, don't they? But yeah, having people forming queues on the main road and then yeah, exactly. the you can't even do that. It's, it's just the, where the stairs are as well. So the stairs where you, yeah. you from from the Milburn statue, you go up the stairs. Then obviously it pans off left and right to go to the Gallagher, the corner, the east end, and it's just that area. It's just yeah. absolute corner. It's co- it's because you've got so many ways to get in to like in the area around the ground from so many different angles. I mean, if you think you go up a little bit further and you've got the old um, Victorian buildings and you can mm-hmm. come in from where Barker and Stonehouse is there, or even coming in from Lisa's Park, there's like so many different avenues to come into the ground. You'd be you'd need an extra thousand stewards just to even try and police it that That's way. Brutal. On Wednesday night, there was loads of stew outside I mean, the turnstiles. The only other way I'm thinking of it is like like you were saying, Scott was when you try and police it from like the, the main road or whatever, is to have like a counter and only let so many people through at a time. But that's just going to even that's just going to shift the problem to another part of the town, isn't it? It's just going to shift the problem onto onto the Gallagate itself or onto Strawberry Place or you know, it, that, it's, that there's no easy solution. Turn into a massive queue. There's yeah, there's going to be people queuing in the cellar, <laughs> whatever it's called, the cellar dome. Um. <laughs> it's, it's, you know what it is, and uh, like you, you look, I don't want to focus too much. You look at the paper tickets, and there was never an issue with that. So I don't know how going from a paper to a digital, kind of using the same technology, 
apart from ones on your phone and ones a physical copy. That's the only difference. Yeah. You're still you're still scanning it to get in. That hasn't yeah. changed. <clears throat> you're still scanning a barcode, really, technically. So I don't know what's happened. I really don't know how this can happen. And and people turn around and say, "Oh, fans aren't doing it properly." I haven't seen one person not do it properly. Yeah. Or try to do it in front of me. Everybody's trying. And so God knows, I, I, nothing's going to change. Also. There's no point whinging about. We'll just have to arrive. No, absolutely not. Two hours beforehand, like that. <laughs> I think un- until until the change of actual turnstile itself to like mm-hmm. a new style, like what you have at the metro, you have you know yeah. at those passport things where it's it's not that big metal turn thing, and you can get more than one person in at a time, and you can queue properly. I don't think it will get any better because I think the, the my, it was always my big con- my big hate when I had my season ticket was going through them massive turnstiles was that you queue, but then you have to kind of step back a bit to let the person get in, put that ticket in and go through before you can go through. And it was quite a slow process back then. Um, I think um, and that was one of the corner, so I don't know if it's different anywhere around. One, one of the down. issues I would face now is because more, like all of our turnstiles are manned. And when you go mm. to away grounds, a lot of the away grounds nowadays, I mean, we're using West Ham next week as an example down at the London Stadium. It's all electronic. So as soon as your ticket's scanned, the lock on the turnstile itself unlocks and you just walk yourself through. Whereas at St. James's, you're relying on the little guy in the booth, pressing the button to release the lock on the turnstile yeah. itself to get in. And I think maybe that could be part of the problem. Maybe it Let's could be part of the problem, you know. Yeah, it could it be. It really could. You know, even as a realistically sensible option, that could be part of the problem. It really could. Mm. I just want somebody to blame for it. That, that's... <laughs> <laughs> uh, right boys it's been a pleasure um, I know yep. we did go off on a bit of a tangent sorry everybody that, that sorry, sorry. Seen, um, watching and listening to this one but it, it, this is the Gallagher Trust podcast we'll always find something else to talk about um, but yeah thanks for joining us um, if you are watching on YouTube uh, just like the video become a subscriber it costs absolutely nothing to do that if you want to give an extra bit back it is just two ninety nine a month to become a member um, you get early access to the video you get extra content and you get access to the Telegram group, which is basically a messenger service, and you also get access to the Discord group as well, Scott, which you have been running, which is all thing gaming and things like that, which is obviously going to be picking up now with the new EA24, whatever the hell it's called. What's it called? FC, EA24? FC. It's, 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 it's still FIFA. It's still, it's still it's FIFA. FIFA. Until yeah. FIFA bring out their own FIFA, which won't happen this year, it's, it's still FIFA. It's still FIFA. And what else have we got coming? Obviously, be jam-packed again this week. We'll have previews yeah. uh, for the Champions League game. Is Kenny Chatter back this week? Should be back this week, yeah. We're all oh, back yeah. from our travelling and Harry's got a job that he can work decent hours. So no problem. Should so be Kenny back Chatter will be back. Uh, Monday is Always Smiling Face of Podcast. I think we've got a full house again, so all four lads will be on there as well. But yeah, plenty more stuff to come, so stay tuned. Okay. Thanks, everybody. See you later. Bye. Podcast Network. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.